We're always interested in what you have to say about our live broadcasts. Please share your comments on our Facebook page or websites. Okay, okay. Welcome everybody to Sanders Says Podcast. I'm Larry Sanders. Thank you all for being here today. It's a special day, of course, you know, Martin Luther King Day. And in celebration of his day, we are, you know, I'm so proud to have my guests here and have a real conversation as two black men. Um, this is most of what, well, this is a lot of what Dr. King fought for. You know, us actually having this stage to have a conversation. Um, if you watch my podcast, um, and if you've heard it, you know that I'm all about mental well-being. I'm all about growth. I'm all about um, telling stories and telling the truth, right? Telling untold stories. So, um, so happy to have this guest today. But before I introduce him, I want to give a special shout out to our sponsors, Zar Wellness. Uh, you know, you go to ZarWellness.com. You can get your topicals. You can get your flower. All premium flower shipped anywhere in the nation. So anywhere you can get it in any state, doesn't matter if it's legal. We're talking THCA, which is another component of the flower, which is legal, but it's good. It's, it's definitely premium flower. So tap into czarwellness.com to get your flower today. Um, yeah, so let's, let's tap right into it. Um, our guest is none other than Michael Anthony Smith II. And we're going to talk about that second in a minute, but we're going to bring him to the stage and, uh, and have this great conversation today. What's up, homie? How you doing? Uh, Mr. Smith, the second, you here? I am. I got you. You got me? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Man, the so, word? hey, man, I'm so happy to have you on the show today, bro. And just Pleasure. Um, Pleasure. Spend some, spend some time with you. Um, you know, I have a very compelling story. Um, very controversial, what you went through. Um, but before we go into the controversy and, and mm-hmm. take that take that turn, I want to talk about you. I want to talk about young Mike, the kid <laughs> on the playground. <laughs> Mike on the playground, <laughs> you know. So yeah. um, let's tap into it. You know, I want you to, um, you know, kind of um, dig into the younger you and mm-hmm. what, you know, what kind of molded you to, you know, become the man you are today. Mm. That's a great first question. Um, first, man, good to be here. I love what you're doing. I love what you're standing for. Uh, honor to be here on this uh, this MLK holiday. Um, but uh, what molded me to become the man that I am? Um, I would say my community, and and not just the community that I grew up in in terms of the physical space. I mean, the community as in like the village that raised me. Um, I got to start with my moms, um, my dad my stepdad then you know you have my grandfather my grandfather uh was a a southern baptist pastor uh for over 50 years uh in new orleans matter you know matter of fact you know historic second baptist church uh in new orleans um was the the first uh black church to be broadcast on the radio in, in new orleans and so um very influential man um was at the forefront of um, uh, activist movements uh, in New Orleans uh, during the civil rights era, for example. Um, his church was an institution. So I grew up in the church. 
So I had my grandfather, I had uncles. Um, I had so many like men and, and not just men, but men of God, like with their hands on me, sometimes figuratively and sometimes mm -hmm. literally, sometimes, you know what I'm saying? I'd be acted up. You know, I, I came up in those days, Larry, where it's like, if you was acting up, the whole neighborhood had a right to put you in check, right. you know? And, right. and then I had right. teachers. Like I went to McDonough 35 senior high school in New Orleans. That was the first all black high school in New Orleans. So I went to uh, a school where, you know, the teachers were invested in you, you know, and they were invested in me. So I had so many people, man, from family to church members, um, to, you know, teachers and educators that just poured into me and that is that had their hands at my back, as you would say, you know, mm -hmm. and just pushing me, uh, forward, you know, into my calling. And so, yeah, I would say it's my community, man. I just had so many, I had a village. It took, it took a village and I'm the product of that village, uh, growing up in New Orleans. No, that's amazing. That's amazing. So growing up in, in New Orleans, um, and having that village, I talk about that a lot too, because mm -hmm. I grew up in Florida and, um, you know, my father is older and my mom is a lot younger. So mm -hmm. it was a weird dynamic. And I was raised a lot by my uncles. I have two uncles who are pastors, um, my grandmother who was heavy in the church mm -hmm. um, and having that influence, um, you know, instilling that faith and having that, that backbone to rely on, um, you know, God and, and your, your faith is, uh, I don't know, for me, that's always helped me um, through the journey, right? Through all yeah, making all these decisions and uh, actually keeping that great perspective because I, I watch you and I saw um, how you handled your situation and it was a lot of grace. You gave them a lot of grace. You um, you let go of a lot of resentment uh, early on, mm. which I was very surprised. And you were ready to, you were ready to um, talk about the growth that you gained from the situation, which I want to talk about mm. that um, as well. Yeah. Um, but you gaining that perspective, that's um, no one talk about that, you know, and that uh, you how that played into your transition, right, um, out of that space that you were in. Um, and I want to dig into that, but before I get too far ahead of myself, um, mm -hmm. backtrack to to you as a child. Um, yeah. You know, you did you always want to speak? Did you always want to be a sports anchor? Um, hmm. You know, what led you to 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 choosing that as a career? Whew. Uh, well, I was always into sports, wasn't very good at sports, but I was always into it. Um, you know, I had, depending on the playground, I might've been all time quarterback, you know, uh, basketball was funny, man. <laughs> I was one of the taller kids, like in elementary school in middle school and early on in high school. And, um, you know, I, I came up in the, you know, the eighties and the nineties. So, you know, the big man had that back to the basket all the time. So, you know, I was working on my dream shake instead of my my handles and my outside shot. So once I stopped growing, I was I I, I had no place on the court because I couldn't <laughs> handle it. I couldn't shoot it. So once I was no longer playing center or playing right. power forward, that was a wrap for your boy. Um, but football, you know, I, I played a lot of football growing up and, and, and played high school football and played is kind of a generous term, if I'm being honest with you, Larry, because it's like I was on the team more than I played. Right. You get what I'm saying? OK, okay. Um, nah, fact. but I, I, I always had a. Uh, I always had a writing touch, you know, mm. uh, I was pretty, I was a pretty good writer growing up. I was always good in school, always like, you know, no matter how much I wanted to play, you know, tech my bowl growing up, play video games or play outside. It's like, you know, my pops always had me put school first. 
And I was always a high achiever in school, um, salutatorian in my high school class, you know, straight A student, that sort of thing. And I was always a good writer. And um, honestly, I would say it was two people that kind of pushed me into into writing and reporting and being a journalist. One was my um, my yearbook uh, teacher and um, or, or the yearbook advisor, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one was my English teacher. Uh, Miss Gill, Gail Gill. So W.D. Harris and Gail Gill uh, really kind of recognized that I had a talent and they encouraged mm-hmm. me to do it. And, and long story short, um, started, you know, interning at the local paper, the Times Picayune, and then uh, landed a couple of internships at the Boston Globe. Uh, but pretty early on, I would say what pushed me into it was realizing that I could be a part of sports without playing mm-hmm. sports. Because even looking right. back, I mentioned my grandfather. The only thing I, only time I make my grandfather mad was when I would take the sports section before he did, you know, like (laughs) he had to have it first, but I read the sports section and read every, every cover to cover, like everything, the notes, you know, the stats, you know, every article. So even Mm -hmm. looking back, I guess that was kind of the seed of it. Um, And this will tell you how much of a nerd I am. Um, Tecmo Bowl back in the day, before the days of Madden, before the, the computers and everything would calculate the stats. Bro, I used to play Tecmo Bowl and I count my own stats. Like I would write yeah. play by play from Tecmo Bowl and add up my season stats on Tecmo Bowl. So wow, there was a wow. lot of things I look back on. I was like, oh, I guess I was kind of me- meant to do this, meant to tell stories. Right. And so fast <laughs> forward to college, once I realized I could make money telling these stories and still being close to the game without actually playing in the game, then it became a career and it just took off from there. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and, and, and um, you know, I don't think people understand um and i want to gain more understanding behind how how much you how much you had your hands in this show in in, in this uh his and hers uh with jamil um you i mean from my understanding you guys from top to bottom from the writing to the, the orchestrating the situation to telling the producers when to cut to you know what i mean you guys did everything so um how you know that um you know how, just, how you know just, that <laughs> I, I mean, you're a reporter. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I'm interested, bro. I'm interested. And yeah. I, I want to learn yeah. more about that, you know, um, to have something like that close to you, man, and you being that involved deeply um, and then how things kind of played out, you know, um, mm-hmm. like I said, you handled that with grace. Um, and, um, you know, at face value, we see someone maybe um, losing a position, but mm-hmm, through mm-hmm. further discovery, what I saw was someone actually kind of losing their baby. And, um, you know, I just want to uh, talk, talk about that a little bit, you know, the relationship with Jamil and, um, you know, how how deeply involved you guys really were in that show. Um. I mean, I would start with the name. I mean, his and hers, you know, it had a lot of meanings. You know, it was it was his opinion and her opinion. And it was, you know, we were a, a, a TV couple, um, a tandem. And I think to your point, it was it was reflective of this, it was ours. And it was ours though. As much as something can be yours, because I think, and listen, I mean, for for those that may not be familiar with, you know, as you called it, my situation, 
It's well documented. <laughs> so so I, mm -hmm. I, I won't I won't spend a whole lot of our time going through all of it. So I'm going to speak as though the audience knows how, you know, things unraveled for me uh, at ESPN um, circa 2018, 2019, uh, when I left in 2019, I was there for 15 years. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll back up for a second. I appreciate you asking about his and hers, because what's so funny, man, is like, I don't know that I realize, and I say this with all humility, I don't know that I realized in the moment what we meant and what that show meant. Um, it's funny. <laughs> I was So I do Amazon Thursday Night Football. Um, I'm a news analyst for Thursday Night Football, one of my many hats that I wear because I got tuition to pay. I was coming back from... I think I was connecting through Atlanta. And so I sit on the plane and I, a guy walks in behind me, or walks in after me, sits behind me, right behind me. I look up, it's Mace. I'm like, what's up, dog? Like, it was, it was, it was, it was crazy. I was like, it was Mace. And so obviously I grew up listening to Mace, but now, like everybody else, I'm watching, you know, Cam and Mace on, it is what it is. I'm watching them do their thing. Right. And so right. we got to talking. I'm gonna get to you. I'm gonna get to your answer in a second. I just I'm, I, I tell stories, so bear with me. No, we got no, to like talking. It. We got to talking, and um, we just got to talking about the business and and how they do their show, and 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 I was commending them on what they're doing. And uh, I said to him, "Man, if you'd have told young Michael growing up in New Orleans that mm -hmm. one day he'd be sitting on a plane in first class that somebody else paid for, but in first class <laughs> talking right. to Mace, not about hip hop." But about sports journalism, I'd have been like, what a wonderful life, right? And so right, right, the right. thing he said that brings me back to your question, the thing he said was, well, you know, well, y'all paved the way. Like, you know, y'all established a blueprint. We able to do this because of what y'all did. And yeah. man, I'm telling you, it blesses me because I hear that a lot. I hear that yeah. a lot as I go on the road for, like I said, Amazon or NBC, you know. Or just out and about, I hear that a lot about what we meant um, to the culture and, and right. to the industry and to the people that were watching us. It makes me feel old, but it makes me feel good to yeah. to know because in the moment we were in this bubble in Bristol, Connecticut, and we were just trying to be ourselves. We were just trying to be ourselves. And so, you to go back to your original question about it. like, you got me. Right. Yep. To so go back yep. to your original question about about what it meant. It was the first time, in, and I think this is why it resonated with so many people, it was the first time in my career to that point where I, have, I ever had, see, I was always me. I was, mm -hmm. all, I was always me, because the, the, the best advice I ever got professionally was just be, just get better at being yourself. Right. Just get better at being yourself. And that's what I was able mm -hmm. to do. But early in my career, I had to be myself in different settings and those settings were calling for, uh, you know, a certain role, like whether mm -hmm. I was an NFL insider or whether I was one of a panel on around the horn or whether I was an E60 correspondent or whether I was hosting college football live or NFL live or whatever I was doing, it required me to, to be me, but I had to fit into a certain role. Right. His and hers was the first time for both me and Jamel 
-hmm. that we were truly able to just be us. And that was enough. And so we set the tone in terms of like the topics, everything you said, you nailed it. It's like Mm -hmm. when it was when it was singing, it was because we were the creative driving force behind it. The producers followed our lead. Right. right. And and, and that was that was rare for black people, especially Mm -hmm. two black people. But I remember going into an executive's office. A black man and a black woman, no less. Because see, here's the other thing that people don't understand about what that show meant. Never before in sports, sports media, had there been a woman on hmm. camera equal to the man. Yeah. yeah. Like every other woman on camera was deferring to the man before that. They were asking hmm. the man the questions and just getting out the way. That had never, yeah. on a daily show. I'm not talking about like sports reporters on a Sunday with... Shout out to Jackie McMullen, one of my many mentors. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a daily show mm-hmm. where the man and the woman were seeing eye to eye. And the man yeah. would listen to the woman. And the woman would listen to the man. And it and it was no like hierarchy there. That hadn't right, happened right. before that. Especially right, right. not to black people. But I remember mm-hmm. going into an executive's office when we were starting Numbers Never Lie, which was the precursor to his and hers. And they, and they asked me, uh, who do I want to work with? Because they knew I was signed mm-hmm. up to do it. It was like who I want who I want to work with. I told them three names. I, I gave them three names of the people I wanted to work with as a partner. I told them Jamel Hill, Bomani Jones, and Michael Holly. Mm-hmm. And they looked at me like I was crazy. This is 2011, and they looked at me like I was crazy because there wasn't two black people on TV at the same time in a non-comedic show. There was not two black mm-hmm. like. Every now and then, Sports Center at that time may have two black anchors. I, so, I, you know, I, I can't say for certain, but I'm sure that mm-hmm. happened. I'm, I'm right. sure that. But I'm talking about in terms of like hosts, whereas our show, whereas mm-hmm. our shit, that didn't happen in sports. It did. Yeah. It 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 didn't happen other other than a, a sitcom where two black people mm-hmm. were to lead. I love. Right. If I'm wrong, I love to be wrong. Please point that out. Where there was a black man, mm-hmm. a black woman driving the show. So at that time, yeah. the formula for a lot of these executives was black man, white man, assuming that mm-hmm. they were going to have different perspectives, assuming that they were going to disagree. Mm-hmm. So they looked at me like I was crazy for wanting to partner with another black person. And so mm-hmm. they were like, they patted me on the head. They're like, yeah, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to four years ago. And, you know, again, I didn't realize it when I was in it, but we were we were representing a lot of people insofar as we were our unapologetic, authentic black selves and bringing right, the right. culture to ESPN in a way that, you know, people like Stuart Scott paved the way for. Like mm-hmm, Stuart, mm-hmm. Stuart cracked open the door so we could kick it in, you right. know? Um, Ralph Wiley held open that door so we could squeeze in, you know what right. I'm saying? So it's like, it was a... Uh, I appreciate being looked at. Sorry for the long answer, but I appreciate no, being no, no. looked at. I appreciate being looked at by the younger generation as something of a trailblazer because it's like no. it wasn't something we were just we we decided to do that show. We decided to do the podcast. Remember the podcast came before the show. We decided to do it because nobody was trying to put us on television together. The only time we had been on TV together was we filled in on. I think it was first take. Might have been cold pizza for like three days, mm-hmm. and they still didn't see it. They still didn't see it. So we were like, man, let's do a podcast. And back then, if you recall, back in the you know 2011, 
podcasts weren't like they are now. Like it wasn't as, as prolific. It right. wasn't as prominent uh, a medium mm -hmm. as it is now. Now, like podcasts are obviously very popular. Back then, we looked at a podcast as almost like a, a consolation prize. Like, right, okay, right. you won't put us on TV. You won't put us on radio. I guess we'll do a podcast. And right. uh, and that's what really got people to pay attention to us. I'm going to stop rambling because I can go on and on, obviously, you know, but yeah, no, so no, I hope that kind of answered your question, you know? No, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's exactly what I wanted right there. You know, uh, that's very interesting, man. And it's, uh, so you have this show, you, uh, you and her, and it's a uh, first time ever having two black, you know, a black female and a black male equally host the show. Um, mm -hmm. And so from my understanding, and I've, I've been through this, you guys got mm -hmm. new management. So I've been playing for a team before that I got drafted for, or even played for a coach. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then next thing you know, I get a new coach and he's switching it up. He, he got us doing things. And I thought I was yeah. expecting this. And, you know, I've, I've been through that so many different times. So when I saw that, you know, you guys got new management, um, new ownership, and they, they moved your show. So your show was during the day. Then they moved it to uh, 6 p.m. at night, right? Is that is that correct? Was it at noon and they moved it at 6? Uh, not quite. No, it was it was a hmm. You really want all this, huh? <laughs> it was, uh, on, what we doing? Okay, okay, doing? Uh, okay. Because um, I've always the reason I asked that because I've always assumed that nobody, nobody really cared, um, especially about my side of things, and that's fine. You know what I mean? I, I'm at peace with that. So I mean, I've just kind of like turned the page and and started to you know build my own company. Um, hold on, let me you know inflection point entertainment. Uh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, you know, hustling with NBC and, and, P, and, uh, Peacock and yeah. Amazon, like I mentioned, so I'm still out here, you know, so I've just kind of always assumed that nobody was really interested in this, but I'm, I'm glad you asked. So like what had happened was, <laughs> um, no, his and hers was doing so well at noon on ESPN two <laughs> until they asked us to host the 6 PM sports center. Right. Um, so it was a promotion. It, it wasn't so much <laughs> of like a new management came in and, and moved it it was they right. were looking to breathe they were looking to breathe new life into sports center was it um, was it they only but i don't think they saw your show i think they saw your skits <laughs> yo who did you talk to <laughs> I, I know i need to know your sources i have never been on the other side of this who did you talk to like you're the most well-researched conversation i've ever had <laughs> Cause you like you you saying it before I even get a chance to say it like, 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 like I even gotta tell you you know I do my research man I do my damn research. you got I sources though you you an insider no um <laughs> I think honestly if, if real talk I think that was a that, I think we were cute to them I think it was I think it was yeah. look man they they forced us to launch that in February I mean you mm -hmm. know because you know I mean, you know white folks get in their head like oh we got a we got a black show we should launch it in black history month it's like, it's like okay all right, right. you know like not not let's take our time and get in the lab right. and spend six right. months figuring out you know the formula you know because right. I mean honestly to me and this is I, I guess you could call this grace but this is the perspective like I could point to a lot of reasons why we were set up to fail I could point to a lot of reasons why we were sabotaged I could point to a lot of reasons why we were undermined I could point to some things that I wish I would have done differently. But I think the main thing is if there's a McDonald's on the corner mm -hmm. and you've been going to McDonald's for 20 years 
on a Friday, you get you get your Big Mac, you get your Big Mac combo on a Friday. Monday, you come in, and that same McDonald's is selling pizza. Mm. You'd be pissed. You'd be yeah. like, yo, I don't come to y'all for pizza. I come to y'all for hamburgers. Why am I getting pizza when just the other day I got hamburgers? So mm-hmm. what was ha- what happened with us was on a Friday, I'll never forget it. On a Friday, my homeboy Michael Eves hosted traditional sports center. That's not Michael, I'm just talking about sports center. Like sports center with here are the highlights, here's the news, mm-hmm. here's the scores. Da-da-da, da-da-da. Right. Come Monday, Michael and Jamel, who a lot of people had at six o'clock had never seen, had never heard of. Because we were at noon on ESPN too, mm-hmm. they had never heard of us, and so we come in, and now it's a talk show. So what I've come to come, to, and I'm not letting anybody off the hook for anything, but I but I can see things objectively, and what I've come to realize is like, like why, like there are people who were willing to give us a chance, or who even liked us from noon on ESPN two, but that's right. not what they wanted at six o'clock coming after PTI, which had the oldest, whitest audience on the network. And in the show following it is us, Mm -hmm. you know? And so management, again, not new management, I think, A, they did not put us in position to succeed from the standpoint of the infrastructure, whether that's producers or whether that's just protection, quite honestly, like protection from the inevitable backlash. Mm. that white executives A, could not have foreseen and B, didn't know how to handle other than throwing us under the bus. Right. Okay? So, and that's just facts. That's not that's mm. not saying that we that, that, that we couldn't have done things differently at times, but that just is what it is because in the era of Trump, like, they were loud. The vitriol mm. was loud and vicious. And so... There were people who were not the majority of the people who were critics of the show never watched the show. You want to talk about management having never watched the show, they saw our skits. There right. were people who were critical of the show and who have written history. You know, shout out to Cat Williams. There are a lot of losers who have written history, who have told this story from the perspective of people who never watched the show. So people right. who are like, oh, they didn't they didn't do sports or they didn't talk about sports. Bullshit. Bullshit. Right. I effectively produced the show. Mm-hmm. I put the rundown together. Right. So right. I it, it just like I did every other just like I've done every other show I've been on. I've been an executive right. producer whether I had the title or not on every show I've ever done. Like I and, that, and that's what that's right. why I've been such a threat to a lot of producers because I could do their job better than they can. Okay. Right. If I'm just if I'm just look, I look, I I ain't try I ain't I ain't, I ain't, I ain't gonna sugarcoat the shit. Like Right. The people who wrote about that show, in many respects, did not like the idea of what the show represented. And that was there was two mm-hmm. black people, a black man and especially a black woman, being unapologetically black and authentically black in a space right. that had typically frowned upon that. Because again, I referenced what Stuart Scott had to deal with. Right. Wasn't, ain't nothing new under the sun. Reference what he had to mm-hmm. deal with just by making certain references. So right. we up there talking about Colin Kaepernick on Sports Center. So going back to your original point, like, no, like, I think a lot of people who made the decision to put us in that position, A, didn't anticipate what was coming on the other side of that. But B, they saw our skits, they saw coming to America, they saw, you know, 
uh, Boys in the Hood. They saw Step Brothers. They saw Anchorman. They saw all those different things. Oh, they're cute. So then they do the advertisement for the show. Mm-hmm. And the advertisement for the show, shit, you got me out here. I got me out here doing my tapping my inner, inner cat waves. I'm just letting loose. I ain't planning on talking about this shit today, <laughs> but it's good to be here though. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. but no, but then the, then the, then they advertise it, and it was like movies, music, sports, and more. Again, McDonald's hamburgers, right? McDonald's don't sell pizza. So I understand the people that's like, wait a minute, this ain't. I like y'all. I like this, but this ain't what I want at six o'clock. I just want to know right. who won. Or I want to know who's right. going to win. I don't want to hear a debate show after I just watch debate shows. So it was right. a miscalculation right. on a lot of levels. It was a miscalculation mm-hmm. and a naivete with regard to how it was going to be received. And then it got right. hot and, and, and they did the only thing they could do. Now, here's the other part. Even before it got hot, there were people internally that just didn't like what we were doing with Sports Center, because as somebody told me, Sports Center keeps the lights on. Like there's ESPN and then there's Sports Center, and that's the brand. And we were fucking with the brand. Like we were, <laughs> like that wasn't something that everybody, like the old guard internally, that wasn't something that everybody was behind internally. Forget about external. Not everybody internally was behind us bringing a completely new identity to a 30 year old brand. Right, you know, so yeah, man. I don't know if all that added up or made sense, but yeah, I think I think I would compare it to what you talked about. Like you get drafted, and in circumstances change, or mm-hmm. you just get drafted into the wrong situation. Like even if somebody does pick you, do they truly know? Do they truly know you? Do mm-hmm. they, and and are, are they are they going to ride with you through it all? Are they going to let you allow you to develop? Because we didn't get that time. We didn't get that time to find our footing. Before people wanted to, you know, pull the plug or in some cases pull a rug out from under us, right? And right. so, you know, my only frustration, and again, I'm passionate about it, but make no mistake, I think I can still be passionate about it, but still be at peace because it's like right. the wounds have healed, but there's still scars. I'm not even gonna bullshit you, there's scars. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think the frustration came from like, Two twofold. One, it'd have been nice to have the same time I've seen other shows get. Right. I mean, get up. How many iterations did Get Up go through? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But they were committed to it. You know, right. for example, like we didn't even get that kind of time in the lab. We got we. It was like his and hers. We stopped in no in November, December. We might have had two, three rehearsals on Sports Center, even though we mm-hmm. were re- literally reinventing the wheel. In terms right. of what the show had been. And the second part of my frustration is just that the narrative, like the narrative, right. and this is what happens in America. This is what happens in corporate America. This is what happens to black America. I mean, right. and there's a whole conversation going on right now, whether it's CRT or DEI, like we got reduced to, to symbols, you know, to like, like the right, I'm gonna call it the right, but they mm-hmm. reduced us to symbols of what ailed America? We got swept up in politics long before a tweet. We got swept up in politics regardless of whether we were talking about the intersection of sports and politics on the show. Like it became political on the part of the viewers long before it became political with us. 
Right. Because we were a symbol of everything that got Trump elected. You know, the white grievance politics that got Trump elected in the first place, we were a manifestation of that. Right. As opposed to being recognized for the hard work that we both did to get in that position, for the right. talent that we both have displayed throughout our careers at every stop to get in that position. That's the only thing that didn't sit well with me is the mm -hmm. narrative around my work. Cause I know the work right. I put in, I know the work right. she put in. Right. I take the Pepsi challenge with anybody in this industry when it comes to ability and versatility and reliability. Mm -hmm. I take a backseat to nobody now or that's ever done this, mm -hmm. but to have that chapter of my career reduced to a tweet or yeah. reduced to the fact that the show didn't last instead of the fact that it happened to begin with mm -hmm. or, or being reduced to a political talking point about affirmative action or what have you. Like <laughs> that's the part that, that like that and honestly, obviously by the way I'm talking about it, that still doesn't sit well with me. Right. Cause I mean, like <laughs> we're both good at this. Mm -hmm. And it just was never yeah. about like even now, like, you know, there out like when it comes to just the industry in general, like, and I don't mind talking about this with you, Larry, at all, man. I appreciate your questions. I appreciate your cur your curiosity on it. Mm -hmm. But like that's a that's a that's a chapter in my career, man. Like I had a like before before Sports Center in 2017, like, yo, I got to ESPN when I was 25 years old. Mm -hmm. I was on ESPN when I was 23, 24 years old. Ain't nobody did that. I was on national television. I was covering the NFL next to Chris Mortensen, John Clayton, and Lynn Pascarelli, and me. I was the fourth national NFL insider. Mm. They didn't put NFL insiders on set before me. They had them off in the corner. Yeah. They didn't let NFL insiders double as analysts before me. You know? Yeah. Like I did a whole bunch of stuff before Sports Center. I've done a whole bunch of stuff since. So right. like the only thing, the only thing I I I like, I, I, I appreciate A the people that recognize what his and hers and Sports Center meant. But the mm -hmm. only thing like I would hope for, and I mean I can't control this, it is what it is, is that like just judge me by my work. Right. Not not what you read somebody else say or tweet. Right. Or don't judge me by, based on nobody else for that matter. Like mm -hmm. if you don't if you got an issue with Michael Smith and how I do my job or something I've said, that's I'm good with that. That comes with the mm -hmm. territory. Like I'll live right. with that. That's fine. I don't I don't want everybody to agree with me. And I know not everybody's gonna like me. I'm not everybody, I'm not everybody cup of tea. And that's fair. It's just when it's just mm -hmm. like to get swallowed up in agendas. Mm -hmm. was really was really really hard i say right. was because again I, I i feel like i've healed from a lot of that trauma because it was definitely yeah. some trauma but i mean there's there's aftershock there's definitely aftershock right. you know what i'm saying what kind it's of like a bad breakup. what kind of, <laughs> right 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 i say this well what um you know since that what things have you been doing to uh you know maintain your mental um, yeah. What things have you seen? Maybe you struggle with because you know it, it is a struggle. Like you said, it's like a bad breakup, man. So it's yeah. a relationship missed. You know. Um, yeah. You when know, it just... first happened, 
when it when it first went down, so this would have been so my last sports center, I remember it. Um I remember it because the day Biggie died, so I could never forget it. It was March 9th, 2018. It was my last sports center. They essentially put me in mothballs. I got mothballed until I just got tired of collecting money, which looking back wasn't so bad. I got mothballed until uh, I left in September of 2019. But after my last sports center, I did not watch ESPN at all until the day Kobe died. And I mentioned Michael Eves. Michael Eves did a phenomenal job anchoring that. The day Kobe died was the last, the next time I watched ESPN. And I stopped watching sports in general because it was, it was triggering. And the reason it was Ooh. triggering was I couldn't watch it as a fan and my, and not process things through the prism of what do I have to say about it? Because my routine had been interrupted. You know, mm-hmm. I imagine it was no different than a, than a player getting injured or when a player retires, dealing with right. not being in that routine of training and working out and practicing and playing and all. So like, for me, it was like, I'm not doing that anymore for the first time in a long time. So it was hard for me to watch sports and just enjoy sports. My son mm-hmm. and my, and my oldest daughter brought me back to sports because of their love for it. So um, that was the hardest part at the beginning was just dealing mm-hmm. with not having that routine. Then no different than a bad breakup. You know, it hurts until you find somebody else. And, right. you know, uh, NBC came calling in 2020. Um, I got a chance to do a TV show with the second of the three people that I mentioned to the executives who laughed in my face at the idea of having two black people do it. And I got to do right. a show with my one of my best friends for over 20 years and Michael Holly. So we started a show called Brother from Another. It was on uh, Peacock. Um, right. Stream, streamed on Peacock. Available wherever you get your podcast, also on YouTube. And it developed a, it's developed a nice following, a nice audience. And I'm proud of that show. And the reason I'm proud of that show is because it's been a vehicle for me and us. Uh, we both have this ministry. It's been a vehicle for us to put people on. Like, it's always been uh, my ministry. It's always been my mission to put people on. Because um, everybody can eat. And so... Right. Um, it's allowed us to build a community in which we're able to give the give the same opportunity that I once needed and create mm-hmm. a space for people that look like us, see the world the way we do, don't always agree. Close up for a second. I'm back to it, Mike. But see the world from a similar other. Freezing up. Mike, Mike. They might freezing up on this. Yo, we got Michael Smith on the show. Let's see if I can break him down, bring it back up. That works. Back to the stage, Mike. Mike, with some of these comments out, man. I appreciate y'all. All these, all the love. We got Bugatti Zo. Appreciate you, Bugatti Zo. Where you coming from, man? Give you a shout out today. 
Oh, you out in Milwaukee. Bugatti's all out of Milwaukee. Shout out. Marcus Marquise. Thank you, my G. Let's see if we can get Mike back here in a second. That was a great conversation, though, man. Mike really breaking down uh, his experience at ESPN, his 15-year career. Um, you know, what happened at ESPN with him and Jamel Hill. Um, how he got silenced and uh, canceled his show. You know, he had a great show called His and Hers, and he built this show from the ground up. And, um, you know, they got new management and moved this show and end up, you know, because of some tweets and some uh, negative comments, you know, they just let him go. So he was talking about that in his transition uh, to peak. Yeah, hey, it went I'm out sorry. with you back. It's all was good. Was it my internet? Good. See, that's the, that's the, uh, that's the, yeah, that's the downside of living in uh, suburban Connecticut. <laughs> no, it's all good. That's the, you know what, and that's another thing. That's another that's another thing. Like, so I, I live I live ten minutes from ESPN. Mm -hmm. So it was hard at the beginning to live in this area. Still, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like I was, <laughs> I would have to go the long way to the barbershop, and yeah. and 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 not let my peripheral vision catch espn that's how that's how mind fucked i was at one point but yeah i mean i'm, I'm not even, i'm not gonna bullshit you like yeah. I, I i was yeah. in a i was in a dark place for a second you know um yeah. yeah oh so brother from another so yeah um sorry about the internet i'm i'm sorry um no it's all good it's all good we can yeah i don't know i don't know what that, that was hopefully it doesn't happen again um no, it's all good. but uh yeah no so like I, i'm proud of it because of the community that we've cultivated i'm proud of it because of the you know the people who have had opportunities that maybe they otherwise would not have or have had just additional opportunities to be themselves like i said get better at at being themselves mm -hmm. um um so brother from another also at nbc doing nbc mm -hmm. sports i mean i i you know i got to uh participate in nbc sports coverage of super bowl uh 56 out at SoFi, mm -hmm. which was a big deal. I I had never, I had never been a part of the Super Bowl pregame telecast because obviously ESPN never had the Super Bowl. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I have uh, done more and more work with Football Night in America. I do an in uh, interview series called Gets It with Football mm -hmm. Night in America. That's been fantastic because my favorite thing to do is interview. Um, I like I like to interview and I like to anchor. Um, mm -hmm. What else? Um, Started another podcast called My Main Man, Michael Smith. So two podcast projects there. Cool. Um, and that's NBC. I mentioned news analysts for Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime Video. That was the last two seasons. Um, mm -hmm. So kind of back to my NFL roots. But the, my main passion is Inflection Point Entertainment. Um, okay. And honestly, the, the North Star is we like to do cool people doing dope shit. We like we're doing yeah. dope shit with cool people. Uh, we, right. We're making movies. We're making documentaries. Uh, I just launched a podcast network uh, in partnership with iHeart. Um, so that's taken off. Um, and it's the same thing as people who are at inflection points in their lives and their careers who are looking for something different and who are looking to, oh. to be um, who are looking to escape from, you know, the box that people put them in. You know, like right. I, I just, I made up in my mind, man. And this is, and by the way, this is, this is my company, 
This is after joining two startups. I left ESPN. It was a part of two startups. So <laughs> it's been a winding road to this point. But mm-hmm. no, nah, man, I just I, I I wanted. Somebody told me early on, if you always talent, you could always be replaced. Mm-hmm. And so I never want to be at the mercy of somebody else's vision or lack thereof. If I can help it. Right. You right. know, like I said, I'm still drawing a paycheck from people. Don't get it. Don't get it twisted. I got like I said, I got tuition to pay. Um, but. You know, I'm a creator and, mm-hmm. you know, I just didn't want my creativity to be stifled by you talk about like people that draft you, may, you know, that may change like mm-hmm. somebody in a chair, in a suit, in a corner office that may change and there and, and, and be and be at the mercy of their opinion of me. Um, right. So I'm a creator. I'm a storyteller. I, and I, I like to create content. I like to create opportunity. I like to create space. You know, I like to think I've created blueprints and templates. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I just the inflection point entertainment is is, is my new baby. You said earlier, um, which was spot on. It wasn't just losing a position. It was like losing a baby. But what I the, what I learned the hard way is it wasn't mine. And that's why that's why I don't take it personally. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't take it personally. I don't take what happened personally. It was business. Yeah, it was fucked up, but it was business. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And it's just like, because mm-hmm. I, because I, because part of my trauma was me being in my own head. And I right. had a former colleague who also left ESPN. They said, your problem is you're looking at yourself through their eyes. But it goes deeper than that. Mm-hmm. They weren't thinking about me. They weren't thinking yeah. about me. Yeah. It wasn't personal. They yeah. didn't sit up there and say, yo, how could we fuck Michael Smith? They weren't, they don't, they weren't thinking like that. Right, right. They weren't thinking about it. It was protecting the brand. Now there are reasons mm-hmm. for protecting the brand, you know the the uh, the thought process, you know um, the agendas. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, th- those could be problematic. But at the end of the day, it's like, all right. And and I, I take I say this about a lot of people who who lose opportunities. Um, you know, uh, you, you didn't get rejected; you got redirected. Right. And if I'd have been at ESPN. Maybe I'd have gotten complacent and comfortable and maybe I'd have been, you know, satisfied with the money and as opposed to pursuing what I'm doing now, which, you know, one of my old partners at um, at the second start at the first startup, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the first startup that I was a part of, he said, you don't work for nobody no more. Mm -hmm. He said, from this moment on, you decide what you want your days to look like. He said, right. you decide what you want your day, what you want your weeks to look like, what you want your mm-hmm. months and years to look like. You don't work for nobody no more. And I took that to heart. And so for me, you know, I, I don't get to do everything I want all the time. I ain't got it like that. I ain't making that much bank. But like inflection point entertainment allows me to decide what I want to spend my day doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it allows me to decide how I want to spend my time. And it, it, it gives me a measure of control over my destiny or, and also just my ability and my passion to tell stories. And so that's right. that's the primary thing for me. That's my that's the that's the passion for me right now. Um, and, and you know, and the, and the other part, the other part, not just you know, last thing, not just I wasn't rejected. I was, you know, I was redirected. There's something mm-hmm. else I want to say. I'm sorry. It'll it'll come back to me. But like, it's it's I really have come to a point of you know, like that had to happen. Mm-hmm. You know that it it had to happen the way it happened in order for me. To um, 
to move into what I'm supposed to be doing. Okay. You know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So no. I, I, I do, I believe that my steps are ordered. I believe that, you know, God has a plan from, from my life that, you know, he knows the plans he has for me, you know, to prosper, not to harm me, to give me hope in the future. And so like, I'm at a place of peace right now because I'm just like, I could look back at it. And even though there are things that I probably will never truly get over, I think you can move past something without getting over it. And also, right. I don't know. I don't want to get over it because it it it, it instructs how I move now. Because I don't I don't ever say that I work for somebody. I say I work with people. I don't even like using right. that word for. Right. Like I just I don't I don't, I don't work for nobody. Right. I work with right. ESPN. I work with Amazon. You know, right. and they get to work with me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, right. and so yeah. I mean, like I realized that it wasn't mine, and it wasn't permanent, and all of it's temporary. So. Mm -hmm. Do me a favor. Give me two seconds. I did a rookie mistake. I did not bring my charge and my computer batteries on 5%. Go I'm going to cut Go the ahead. camera off. I'll be right oh, back. Yeah. So just kind of like yeah, let me know. a little time. Yeah, I'll be right back. All right. Got you. No, I got you. I got you. No, that was dope. I'll bring it back to the stage when you're ready. Um, but just an amazing story. Um, love the transition. I see now almost like what I did. So when I left the NBA, um, I started an artist incubator. And I was housing homeless artists in L.A., uh, screenwriter, fashion designer, um, photographer, uh, yeah, photographer, two musicians, and just helping them get their LLCs and giving them stability, great logos and websites and whatnot. Um, it was my passion work. And I realized because I was in such a um, vulnerable space and I didn't feel, space, feel safe in the NBA, I wanted to create that. I wanted to create a safe space for artists and athletes to thrive. It was called Citizens of Matter. Um, and I've transitioned that now to my foundation work and doing things for children um, all over the world and athletes, artists, making sure they get the mental health resources they need and creating a safe space for them. It's been very important to me. I'm going to add Michael back to the stage because I think he's back. Mike. Yep. And I, yeah, and I, I heard, a little bit about no, I heard, I heard, and I, I that's oh, yeah. what I said up top. I, I love, I love what you're doing. And I think, no, I, appreciate it. I think there's, there's some similarities. If I'm, if I can flatter myself, there's some similarities in our stories because I think about like what you went through and how you left the game. It's like, you were one of the first ones through, you right. know what I'm saying? Like, it's like it's a different. We live in a different. Like, what if, what if you were playing right now? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like in this, it, like not that things have changed so dramatically, but I would like to think we're more evolved as a culture in just a short period of time, right? right? The way yeah, we discuss yeah. athletes, the way athletes like yourself have their own voice and tell their own stories. Like, I think like back in 2017, whatever it was, like. The industry has come a long way in a short period of time. All the things I talked about yeah. that did not precede his and hers or the six o'clock sports center, the sixes we used to call it, is commonplace now. Mm -hmm. So I got I got I got so much respect for what you're doing and 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 how you pursued your passions and and what you're building, you know, because you you're building a legacy that transcends, you know, much respect that transcends a box score or that, 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 you know, transcends points and rebounds per game. You know what I mean? The way you're using your right. platform 
um, and how you are empowering people. And that and that's the main thing I, I want to do with Inflection Point Entertainment or anything I am doing. I just I want to empower people. I want to. You know, I, like I said, I like putting people on. There's a there's a there's a there's a uh, a pleasure that comes from, you know, helping somebody achieve their dreams or helping somebody, you know, just be better. Like I, I, I just want people who have worked with me to feel like that they're better for having worked with me. Right. From right. a professional standpoint, that's what I want. I want people to be right. like, yeah, I was better for being around Michael. I learned right. a lot from Michael. Michael looked out for me. Michael helped me. Michael put me mm -hmm. on, whatever that is. And again, not that like it needs to be, you know, written about or, or even talked about. I don't do it for that reason. It's just, you know, I'm just at a point now where it's like, I could give all the hot takes in the world. You know, I wouldn't say my takes are hot, but you know, I could get, <laughs> I could talk, I mean, I could talk about, right. you know, the Cowboys all the live long day, but it's just like, mm -hmm. don't nobody care about that in the, in the grand scheme right. of things. Right. So right. props to you, man, for what, for what you're doing It's you know, you, you, you become, no, no, I, you become bigger than basketball, you know? Yeah. And I say the same to you, you, you become bigger than, you know, your story, you know, um, just, you know, that was an extreme situation and it brought a lot of light to, to you, just like mine, you know, it was dramatic. Um, mm -hmm. and if I would have still been playing right now, who's to say people would probably still probably know less about me. You know, I'll be That's more fair. in the public eye where they probably know less about me because um, I've been able to be vulnerable, create my space and control my mm -hmm. voice um, and give my give my full self to the to everyone. Right. But without the NBA, um, them getting right. that platform, I'm grateful, you know, it, they did. And it, it goes yes. into my story. Yes. And without that, how, you know, people aren't, you know, uh, so. You, you know how it is when you're a celebrity, you have status and you have something to say of value. It goes further than, you know, just Joe Schmo in the corner, even though it's the same message. Dude, they have to be help same message. I'm so glad you said that. Thank you for saying that because I always make it a point to say that, and I did not. Because when I tell you I counted all joy and I'm thankful, listen, man, I'm able to do what I'm doing right now, whether it's talking to you, whether it's NBC Sports, whether it's Amazon, whether it's Inflection Point Entertainment based on the reputation I built by way of the platform that is ESPN. I'm in a house that ESPN paid for. Right, right. I'm driving cars that ESPN paid for. Yeah, yeah. Like, I had 15 years, I had a good run, I had 15 years there. Mm -hmm. I had 15 mostly great years there. It ended badly, everything ends badly, otherwise it wouldn't end. Like, it's right. fine. Like, it's like, it, it, it served its purpose. Mm -hmm. it, it served its purpose, it's push, it pushed me and delivered me into my purpose, and that pain, right. you know, it it's it, it was a it was a teacher, you know, mm -hmm. it it it, and it hardened me because now I'm not saying I'm reckless. Don't get me wrong, like I ain't trying to get fired, but mm -hmm. I move with more of a of a of a fearlessness than I ever have, because right. I feel like what's the worst y'all could do to me? Right. You gonna say some shit about me that ain't already been said? Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, right. you're gonna take something from it that ain't already been taken. Right. You know, so it's like I'm I'm just and it's not like I'm just walking around like I'm bulletproof. No, no, no. I mean it from the standpoint of I just have a deeper perspective. But yes, you are absolutely right. The NBA helped you create this platform, helped you make more right. of a name for yourself. Like my name is Michael Smith. 
there is literally no more common name in this country <laughs> that I could think of than Michael Smith. But if you Google right. Michael Smith, I come the up before the gospel are. singer. Right, right. Not because not because I am such a good looking guy, not because I'm so brilliant. Oh, you're the dude from ESPN. There was a point where that used to like bother me. Because again, it happens all the time. And I'm not, I'm not like famous where I can't walk down the street or nothing like that. But like, especially in a sporting uh, situation, like if I'm at a game or if I'm in an airport, it's like plenty of people recognize me and a whole bunch of those people that recognize me come up and say something. And I'm flattered mm -hmm. by it. And almost, like I would say 90% of them say either love you on ESPN or miss you on ESPN. Mm -hmm. And at first I used to be like, or they, or they would just point and be like, yo, ESPN. And I'd be like, nah, man. And I would I wouldn't get an attitude with them. I would, I would obviously mm -hmm. like be polite with them. I wouldn't, because I preach like I don't, I don't play the game. I, don't, I ain't scoring no touchdowns. I ain't making no shots. But like you recognize a little nerdy looking motherfucker that talks about sports. Like I, I'm flattered. <laughs> like, thank you for recognizing me. So I'm all out. Right. I it's so funny. Somebody told me like. People be sorry when they recognize you and say hi, because I will sit there and talk to them more than they bargained for. They might have just been like <laughs> trying to say hi. I'll sit there and be like, so tell me about you. Like, they be like, yo, man, right, I'm just, right. you know, big fan. Don't ruin it, you know. But no, right, it's like right. I used to, I used to, I used to get upset about it because I just did not want to be known as a dude from ESPN, especially the way it ended. I was like, no, nah, right. man, like I'm Michael Smith on my own. And I'm at I'm at NBC now and I at Amazon and I do I got my own company. But no, nah, man, it's like, I'm thankful for that time. I'm thankful yeah. for the opportunities that I had and the people, the many people at ESPN that looked out for me, mm -hmm. the many people that looked out for me over the course of 15 years. I got to meet right. so many people and go so many places mm -hmm. and experience so many things free of charge. Like, right. I mean, I, I couldn't be more grateful for those 15 years so i hope anybody who may have you know indulged me and listened to my shit <laughs> i hope that they they understand i think you can like you know you can call something for what it is and you could be disappointed you could be frustrated you could be anger angry you could be bitter like you know uh all those those emotions but like at the same time i feel like you could still recognize the, the totality of it all like if we're yeah. getting specific about how things went down, I have thoughts about that. But if mm -hmm. you ask me, like, you know, what was your time at ESPN like? It's like, it was incredible. It was incredible. Mm -hmm. Overall, it was incredible. And I got none, I don't harbor any ill will at this point toward anybody because it's just like, right. you know, it does, it does me no good. It, right. I, I had I had to let I had to let that go. Like, so I can still remember it. But I couldn't mm -hmm. harp on it. There were just times when, like, I would just replay it all in my mind all day long. Like, right. I, I, you know, I hate, I hate to say this to you. I'm kind of embarrassed to say it to you. Um, but I've, I've never, uh, uh, I've never received professional uh, help in terms of my mental health. Never done it. And it's not because I have anything against it. It's not because there's any kind of stigma attached. It's just I'm, a, I'm such a fucking procrastinator. It's a, it's a bad habit. It's an off. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I guess I'm, a, maybe I was from a journalist because I'm a deadline person. But like I just put shit off. Like oh yeah, I'm gonna do that. Like oh yeah, I'm gonna do that. I just, I really gotta stop doing that because tomorrow I promise and I know better. But, and I've always felt like, and this maybe this is arrogance or hubris. I've always kind of felt like I could like self-diagnose, which I know is the same as like 
performing surgery on yourself. That's just fucking stupid. Right. And so right, I, right, I right. hate, but it, but it's like it's kind of like just the way I'm I'm wired. So bear yeah. with me. Almost, um, and yeah, so yeah, yeah. I just I, I've just never I've never done it, but like it was really bad for me, mm. like mentally, it was really bad. Yeah. And I know I needed to do it. I feel mm -hmm. like I've come through it, but there's probably still some like some stuff I need to unpack. Quite honestly, yeah. And it's and this is all of us. It's all of us, bros. It's, it's innate. It's like our nervous system, right? You know, it uh, latches on to trauma for protection. Mm. You know, it's trying to warn you mm. from danger in the future. So that's where all the anxiety mm. comes from and fight or flight. Um, but you're not, you know, I think this is what I get from therapy is just the knowledge. You know, it's, uh, I get to tell my story and get perspective, but I also get verbiage. Um, I get uh, definitions and understanding that I don't. I don't know. It's it's like I if I go to the if I go to the gym right now, mm -hmm. I can look at all the weights and probably try to figure out how to get stronger. You know what I mean? I could probably like okay, that's probably for my back. I do that, but I've I've been I've been I'm an athlete, so I can figure it out. But you tell somebody a regular person going to a gym and work on their legs and their core, and they're, they're gonna they're not gonna know what to do. Get them a trainer. Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. what I mean, and it, now it's you know now it's their wonderland. So I see the I see it in the same as your mental. You know, um, it's a trainer. You know, you can you can go in there and try to self diagnose and go in the gym and, and try to you know be work on stuff <laughs> for your back. You might pull a muscle. <laughs> you hurt yourself. Yeah, forms will be wrong. You know, you can try. Yeah, um, and you mm -hmm. might get stronger, um, but you will get your maximum strength if you had a trainer. You know, so mm -hmm. um, I like how you put that. I like how you yeah, that's it. how that's how I think of it. It's the mental trainer, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, man, if you can, you know, I, I even need to squeeze it in more. You know, it's been a minute since I've had a good rapport with the therapist, and I'm feeling it, bro. I need to, mm. I need to get it back going myself. And I pile mm. up work, and I have so much, yeah. I have so many tabs open, <laughs> so many tabs open. You bro, too. But, yeah, <laughs> I thought it was man, just you me. Already know. <laughs> you already know, but you know what they say, and I, I'm, I try to meditate a lot as well. But they say. If you meditate 20 minutes and if you're really busy, you need to meditate 40. So there's if you got the more tabs you got open, the more therapy you need. <laughs> so it's you can't it's not like you gotta squeeze it in. It's, it needs to be more of a um more priority to us, man. And um yeah, you know, that's God a journey. Only knows what's, what's in here, man. Yeah, I will say this though. So it was just, you know, it was never something that I was exposed to as a youngster because i mean as you know like i'm 44 so you know it wasn't at the forefront of conversations especially not yeah in the black in community, community and even more right. especially for black men like right. you know therapy much like going to the doctors like you ain't just go to the doctor just because you went if something was wrong but you ain't right. go just because right 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 um so it's not a habit number one and number two i've just never really prioritized myself um I prioritize my work. I prioritize my family first, my work second. But I've never just like made time for me. And the good thing I can say, though, and again, this is proof that it's not a stigma for me. It's not like a, you know, oh, therapy, you know, you soft. And it's not that because I have um, encouraged and my, my both my children, my my older children, my older two children, not my eleven year old, but she's close. But my my seventeen year old and my fifteen year old, they both see a therapist. You know, mm -hmm. so it's, I'm not I'm not gonna pass down that same. Right. I guess is the word negligence. I'm not gonna pass that down 
to my my kids just because it's not something that I grew up doing and and they need it boy they need it now more than ever I could not imagine being a 17 year old or 15 year old in 2024 man crazy. I just couldn't imagine doing it you know so I try I try crazy. to keep that in mind when I'm parent when I'm parenting them it's just mm-hmm. like like I have like because you because you know when we were coming up you know parents would be like I was your age once you know, like mm-hmm. I, I was, I was 15, I was 17. Like you ain't doing nothing. I ain't done like, nah, man. Like I, yeah. I was not 17 with no damn cell phone <laughs> was, and the internet right. in my, in my, in my, in the palm of my hand. Crazy. I was, I, I, I was never social media. I, there's, 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 yeah. Social media, just the, the, the day and age we live in and what's on the news and what's in media, not just social, right. but just all media, like just everything that these kids are, are absorbing. I just, I, so I, I try to like talk about grace. I try to, you know, give that kind of grace when it comes to my kids, man. Like, like that's to that, you know, that's my number one thing. That's my number one um, job is, 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 is as a father. Like I, I take nothing more seriously than I take being a father. Mm-hmm. That journey has meant the most to me. It's been the most fulfilling. It's the most rewarding. Nothing as a, as a husband, as a, as a father, that's the areas that I'm striving to grow in the most, like professionally. And, and that's another part too. Sorry. Cause you got me going. This, this is like a therapy session, by the way. So I don't, maybe that's I don't good. need one. Maybe I just need to call you more. Maybe I just need to call <laughs> we can you. talk to each other, yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't, I, 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 yeah, other, you, look, you ain't even, you ain't even charging me. Are you, <laughs> but, but no, no but no, like, you know, that's our time, but no, um, I think a big part of the the trauma that we that we've talked about for me, circa twenty, you know, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one, you know, all of that was um twenty two. I mean, I don't, you know, shit, probably six months ago. I mean, I but all I think a lot of it was self inflicted from the standpoint of ego and pride. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it wasn't until I kind of like a made it a habit to tell myself and this isn't just specific to me and my experience in my career this is in every walk of life i think life would be so much easier if we all went out of our way to remind ourselves as frequently as possible ain't about you ain't about you there are just so many things that we internalize and take personally that ain't got shit to do with us Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so i think a big part of it was realizing that one, it is what happened really wasn't about me. I told you that earlier. I wasn't taking it personally. Um, but beyond that, just getting to a point where it wasn't, it I didn't define. I couldn't. De- I had to stop defining myself by that. And I never like even my Twitter account. People ask me all the time, like, how'd you get Michael Smith? I was never going to put. ESPN in my Twitter account. So I always had it in my mind. No, I am not ESPN's Michael Smith. I'm Michael Smith. I never liked that feeling of, you know, being defined by my association with the worldwide leader in sports. But Mm -hmm. in the aftermath of my departure, I was still defining myself by that experience. Mm -hmm. And by, frankly, listening to what other people, listen to other people tell me my own story. Right. You know, like mm-hmm. like giving into the negativity. So once so I go back to father, I'll say two things. One, I go back to fatherhood. It's like 
at this point, like, all right, I didn't been there, done that. I didn't been on national TV. I didn't have my name on a show. I've had my own show. You know, I've been at the top, you know, right. have I done everything? No, but I've done a lot. Mm -hmm. Like shit ain't important. It's not the most important thing to me anymore. Right. Like that, you know, my professional reputation and my work, it still is important to me, but it's important more so because have I said I got tuition to pay? <laughs> have I mentioned that a couple of times already? Right. The other thing I wanted to say was like the idea of a setback, the idea of a loss. Mm -hmm. Who's keeping score? Right. Like when you feel like you lost, mm -hmm. when you feel like you've been defeated, according to whose scoreboard? Right. So, right. like, for me, I was like, you know, oh, you know, my show got canceled, or I failed, or I, I lost, or I, I, I had something taken from me. It wasn't mine to begin with. Number one, number two. No, nah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm winning. Game's mm -hmm. still going on. Right. I'm still right. in the game. Game ain't right. over. Story ain't over. Right. You know, like I'm still I, like I'm writing my story and I get to decide which characters stay, which characters go. I get mm -hmm. to decide the next chapter. That was a chapter that chapter. You know, it, it was an important chapter. That was my season two of The Wire. It was important. Mm -hmm. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. Like everybody may not have liked it. It may not have been the most comfortable, but you can't tell the why you can't do The Wire in five seasons without season two. It doesn't Dude, work without right. the docs. Right, my right. story doesn't work without everything I experienced toward the end of a very successful tenure at ESPN. How many people can say they worked at ESPN? So a yeah. lot of it for me is gratitude, is perspective. Um, it's insight. I mean, I learned so much. Dog, like, I'm, I'm fucking good at this. And the reason I'm good at this is because I learned from some of the best people in the business, on camera and off camera. Like, ESPN, it's not the worldwide leader just because they say so. Like, when I was there, I mean, obviously I'm not, I can't speak to the culture now as much, but like when I was there, man, it's just like, it's like there was such a, and some of it could be toxic. There was a, a, a competitiveness and some of it was like backstabbing competitiveness, but I'm, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the competitiveness in terms of like, yo, like there's a standard to uphold here. There's a certain mm -hmm. expectation when it comes to how you do your job, you know? And we were all competing and pushing one another to uphold a standard, a, a certain right. journalistic production standard. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, I, I'm just thankful for everything I learned there because it's just, it made me better. It prepared right. me for what I was gonna do. Like I was so caught up at one point in what I thought I should be doing or what I was doing and all the reasons why I wasn't doing it until it's like, no man, like it's about what I'm about to do. And I wouldn't right. trade what I'm doing right now for anything. I wouldn't try, like, I don't, I don't, people ask me all the time, you miss it? Like, no, mm -mm, not at all. Not yeah. at all. Not at all. That's awesome. That's awesome, though. You, you've had to, you know, you've had time to actually um, develop Lots this new relationship with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This new relationship. <laughs> but I, I can directly relate, man. You know, it's the same thing. It was, <clears throat> how do I fight past resentment? Right. How do I get, how mm -hmm. do I forgive others and really um, find the gratitude in, in, in all of this? Um, that's huge. It was a huge uh, for my transition and uh, me actually put myself out there in other ways, right? And other things I love to do. 
and having that trust factor again when it comes to people because you know it's tough you know you really got to chalk it up to business because you, you so many mm-hmm. things we do take personal it hits us in the chest mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. uh man ego. on a daily basis yeah that's ego right yeah. that's ego yeah no that's 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 awesome i think I can i can i say alone. one thing real quick like yeah i want to commend you man because it's like and a lot of it is your curiosity your questions your research and just who you are and what you stand for um like this is not something i talk about publicly a lot because one i'm not one to court attention a lot of people say they don't like attention those that say they don't like attention they're lying i'm not one to court attention right okay I don't mind being in the spotlight, but I'm not courting attention. One, here's the other thing I've noticed. I learned, excuse me. Nobody gives a fuck. Nobody cares. Like, I remember being on SportsCenter and being, like, pissed off at how things was going. And one of my colleagues was like, bro, them people that's turning on a TV at 6 o'clock don't give a fuck what's going on in your life. They don't care. They do not care about the politics of ESPN and what you think you should be doing and who you're getting along with and who's stabbing you in the back and who's undermining you. All they want to know is the damn scores and highlights. They don't care. Mm -hmm. And so having said that, I made it a point because I didn't want to be one of these people. I did not want to be one of these people. And there's a lot of them. No disrespect. There's a lot of people who leave ESPN and make a career out of talking about ESPN. Like I wasn't about to break up. I wasn't about to break up with ESPN, and yeah. then spend the rest of my life talking about my ex. Yeah, because I felt about like, I just, like that's just that's just lame <laughs> right. to me. Like, right. like just let right. it, let that shit go. Like they they because right. they, they ain't thinking about me. So I wasn't. Yeah. I, yeah. So I have I have. This is not the first time I've talked about my experience, but I pick and choose my spots when I have. Only if it's somebody, and you and I have never talked before, only if it's somebody that I trust or that I respect and that if they ask in a certain way, I'll share. And so I'm big on the art and the science of interviewing. I'm big on that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I, I'm a, I, that, that is my, that is a craft that I have honed over the course of 20 something years. The way you've asked this has me talking about this, Larry, and I'm not even bullshitting you, has me talking about this in a way that I haven't before. Part of that's you, part of that's the timing and the perspective that I've gained over time to where this same conversation, what I'm saying is the same conversation six months ago, a year ago, 18 months ago, mm-hmm. it's, it sounds a lot different. It sounds a lot different mm-hmm. for all the reasons yeah. I just mentioned. You mm-hmm. among them. And so, yeah, man, like this is something that I, I like. I literally do not talk about like talking about it. I just never want to be a dude that just came off as bitter because I'm not. Like I could still tell right. the truth about what happened or tell my truth about what happened, but I ain't bitter. Right. No, I, I I can't be. I got too much to be proud of. Mm-hmm. And that was another part of it is like letting other people dictate and determine and tell your story. It can rob you of like the sense of pride that you should have about what you accomplished. Like I ain't got nothing to be ashamed of. I got mm-hmm. nothing to be ashamed of about everything that that i that i've that i've done and every and in all 15 years of it and so yeah man i just i just wanted to commend you i'm sorry i just want i, I got off on a tangent again i just want to commend you because it's like i did not have this on my bingo card for january 15th that i was right, going right. to relive the end of my career at espn a because like i said as far as i'm concerned nobody cares b 
I, it's just not something that I choose to talk about or, or look back because, you know, like, like I got, I quote Andre 3000 and I got it in my bio. Spaceships don't come equipped with rearview mirrors, you know, like, right. I don't, like I'm not, right. I'm not in the business of looking back and, you know, and, and, and reliving that. But I do like talking about it if, and only if somebody can take something from it, you right. know, can take something from what I'm saying and apply it to their own circumstances, what they've gone through, what they've been through, how they see it, you know? Right. Um, so that part right. I do like. And so I appreciate you thinking enough of me and thinking enough of my journey to uh, think that it was worth your time and worth your listeners time. I really appreciate that. No, it is, man. It's, it's black history. You know, um, and it's pivotal. <laughs> <laughs> it's pivotal, man. What you, uh, you know, what you two did, um, what you've accomplished. You know, uh, at a young age, what you're doing now. Um, you know, sometimes you, you, us as men, you know, the story isn't written until we're gone. You know, then people start mm -hmm. appreciating us and looking back and seeing what we've done um, mm -hmm. and following the mode. But it's up to us to keep, uh, you know, knocking on the, knocking those doors down. Um, busting those windows in and breaking into the, you know, the infrastructure and, and getting mm -hmm. our feet and our hands wet so the others can follow, follow suit. And, you know, it's tough. You know, we take a lot of risks doing the things we do, standing out, speaking out, standing on the truth. Um, but it's all mm -hmm. pivotal. It's all pivotal. Mm -hmm. And um, I was really looking forward to having this conversation because, because of that, you know, and you gaining and giving that perspective to the viewers and to me, you know, there's going to be a young journalist uh that's going to come up and uh need that guidance um and i think uh, just like me you're creating a space with your your um your company where you're going to be able to protect people um uh, give them a mm -hmm. safe space to thrive um and be and this is kind of what i do too I, I i'm turning into who i needed when i was younger you know oh, i'm turning deep. into who that's I, a who bar I yeah that's a bar <laughs> yeah so that's I think deep. you are too. Yeah, I, I, from listening to your that's story, I, I feel like you are too. So uh, yeah, that's powerful. So how could you how could you not become that if you didn't go do that, right? Man, bro, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that one with me. Yeah, I'm becoming who I needed. Yeah, I like that. that. I like that a lot. I like that a lot, man. No, it's um. Yeah, like I said, I count it all joy, man. You know, um, I'm at a good place. And, and it's been a, I wish I could say I had truly done the work. Mm -hmm. You know, nothing but the grace of God that I, you know, came through it. And then, and then you know, that part too was like, it was, it was the, it was the limbo, you know, which looking back, I wish I'd embraced it more because I was making money and not really working. Um, but it was the limbo. And then COVID happened not long after I left, yeah. you know, and so COVID that's probably trauma that we all have mm -hmm. that we ain't truly dealt with from COVID right. um, to say nothing of the, you know, social, political, economic environment that we're all um, being subjected to, right. you know, so no, man, like I, I've been, I've enjoyed this. I, I, I'm, Sound like you might be wrapping it up, but like I, I just wanted to tell you, I just want to reiterate how much I appreciate you having me. And it's been yeah. therapeutic for me to talk to you. Um, you know, just to just to know somebody was curious and 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 to be able to express it in a way that I hadn't before. So let, let's 
let's uh let's do this again on our offline we should do this again yeah. um no we should we should we gotta have a follow-up by the I way even... where did where did you find michael anthony smith the second where did you find my government my full government name <laughs> um i just research just research man that's really that's was, okay yeah because i don't use my middle name and i don't use the second i love my dad but i just yeah, you know yeah. i've just never you i never use it so when you yeah. uh when you said michael just with the second i'm like man this this dude this dude went deep with the research <laughs> <laughs> yeah man i mean like you said I, I i have a passion for it as well man i love it i love storytelling and getting to know people perspective i, yeah. I learned from this you know so um like you said it's a therapy session all in one uh, so man, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate you being on the show. If you can yeah. just direct people to uh, what you got going on, give them a little insight on what they can expect in the future from. Yeah, you. yeah. No, I appreciate the opportunity to do that. Um, so, like I mentioned, um, you know, as on-camera talent, um, I'm working with NBC, NBC Sports. Uh, I do a show with one of my oldest friends, Michael Holly, called Brother from Another. That's available wherever you get your podcast. It's available on YouTube. We've got a pretty loyal following. I thank everybody who's been with us since the beginning of that journey or who's jumped on that train since 2020. Um, I do a lot of interviews for NBC Sports. Um, I, lo I love interviewing. It's been fun being on the other side of it, but I love interviewing more. Um, so those are available at NBCSports.com. Um, uh, the last two seasons, I've been a news analyst for Amazon Prime Videos Thursday Night Football. That's been a phenomenal experience. That's been great. Sometimes, man, you just got to get outside. Like what's, what's yeah. also was great for me is I was inside and I was in my own head, getting mm -hmm. on the road and being in NFL stadiums and walking around NFL fields and having players and coaches and executives give me flowers. Like was like, oh shit! Like I I did mean something to people. People do care. People are happy yeah. to see me. You yeah. know, um, that was that was that was very helpful, and I appreciate everybody that show love uh, out in the world. So Amazon. That's the last two years. We'll see if that continues. Um, and then uh, uh, most important, Inflection Point Entertainment. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm telling stories. I'm telling the stories uh, that need to be told um, by the people that need to tell them, for the people that need to hear them and see them. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we recently launched a podcast network with iHeart uh, called the Inflection Network. Um, you know, our slate is growing. Um, and so check that out wherever you get your podcast. Um, I'm developing yeah. films, developing unscripted content, documentaries, scripted uh, TV shows. Like, I just want to tell stories, man. And I want to I want to yeah. put people on. I want to give people opportunities. I want to I want to create content, but I want to create space and I want to create opportunity. And so, um, you know, like my former partner said, my days look a lot more like I want them to look as opposed to, you know, yeah making somebody else's dream come true. So yeah. And, and follow me on social media, even though I'm not that active on social media, I just, I just kind of got off that hamster wheel a little bit and don't know how to, yeah. it's like double Dutch. I don't know how to get back in. Yeah, I don't yeah. quite know how to get back in. Like, ah, when should I, when, yeah. When should I post? When should I, what should I say? Like, I, I, I don't right. know how to do it no more, but uh, at Michael Smith on X uh, at the Michael Smith on, uh, on Instagram, primarily, I don't really do TikTok. I never quite figured that out. Um, but yeah, man, you know, I'm I'm out here. I'm, st I'm still I'm still I'm still in the game. You know, I'm still here. And, and I do believe my best is yet to come. My, my ladder will be greater. You know, no, nah, that's awesome, man. That's sweet, man. Well, you know, enjoyed you um, 
you know, Thanks, I'm on my third, I'm on my third script right now too. So we got to connect. We got, we got to talk. I just wrote a short film. And, uh, did you? Yeah, man. yeah, I did. Yeah, I'm invested in short films. So, hey, oh, yeah, listen, talk, hey, you ain't say less, as the kids say. Let's, let's, hey, yeah. hey, when Mitch, hey, when Mitch get out, me, you, and Mitch, we gonna do some business, B. Yeah, all right, <laughs> all right, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. All right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, man, but really, really appreciate you, bro, and um. Thank you. And uh, like you said, we got to have a follow up. Yeah. Continue this conversation, man, because there's going to be more stuff coming in the future. Yeah. I know you got a lot of stuff and uh, I do. I do as well. So happy to make this connection, bro. And look forward to uh, expanding it and keeping in touch. Yeah, man. No, thank you. This is uh, I'm, I'm glad we made this connection. I'm glad we've uh, established this relationship and this foundation. And uh, I, anybody again, I just want to thank anybody. I There is no more flattering two two words two words of wisdom that i love knowledge is the only thing you can share and not lose second one is there is no more flattering thing than as somebody can do for you than to give you their time it is our yeah. most finite resource and right. so anybody who has ever watched me anybody who has ever listened to me anybody who has ever consumed my content Anybody who has ever tweeted at me, that has ever messaged me, anybody that's listened to this and you, Larry, for doing this, I am so grateful. I am so grateful that you thought enough of me to spend time with me. I just I I, I do not take that lightly because there's so many things you could have been doing or could be doing rather than listening to this or watching me. But you did. And I appreciate that very much. You too, man. You too. Uh, that's Michael Sniff right there. Appreciate you, brother. Talk soon. All right, brother. One love. Be good. Yes, sir. Dope, dope. Man, that was, that was all I could have wanted right there, for real, man. We got a great story, great perspective, um, dropped some gems, gave you some uh, insight onto what to look forward to in the future for Mike. And um, yeah, I'm excited, man. I think we just, I think I just made a new friend, man. Me and Mike, we ain't never talked before this, but I think me and Mike gonna stay connected, man. I think that was dope. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for joining the podcast. I'm gonna play a little music on the way out. I don't know if YouTube gonna flag me or not, but you know, we just gonna listen. It's Martin Luther King Day. We gonna vibe out a little bit and uh, end this thing the right way. next Monday. Peace. We're always interested in what you have to say about our live broadcasts. Please share your comments on our Facebook page or websites.